0: study the scriptures and i hear they're doing well so that's a great thing oh, is everybody doing good this morning is everybody awake yeah amen you guys are better more awake than i am this morning it's been a couple of those nights here recently if you ever have dogs you know sometimes it's just some of those nights or or if you have a baby right yeah that's probably actually worse you know <laughs> but i remember those days i remember those days Well, if you look on the screen behind me, we're going to say, blessed are the peacemakers and the persecuted for righteousness sake. This morning, we're going to finish out the Beatitudes, and I was trying to figure out, you know, where I want to go for a series of sermons, and and I decided, you know what? We're already in the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Why not just preach right on through the whole sermon, right? And so we're going to continue to look uh, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount uh, at, at various aspects that Jesus is trying to teach all those who desire to become his uh, disciples, who desire to become his followers, because it starts right here with the Beatitudes. And today we finished the Beatitudes. And we're going to look at blessed are the peacemakers, and we're also going to look at the very last beatitude, right? Uh, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because you have to understand that the peacemaker and the persecuted are uh, really one and the same. And we realize that there's a reason why Jesus put these in logical order, right? Was Jesus willy-nilly, or did he did he have a reason for how he spoke and the things he spoke, and in the order in which he spoke various things, right? And so you're going to see here this morning, if your Bibles are open to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to pick up in verse 9. You're going to see that the peacemaker, uh, as well as why the peacemaker, will be blessed in the day, uh, if and when the day comes that they are persecuted. So in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, let's just jump right into it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Say it. The sons of God. So do you think it's pretty important that we become the peacemakers? We, God's disciples, followers of Christ, uh, become peacemakers? Because you can't be called sons of God if you're not a peacemaker. And you know, I've heard lessons on this many times, and people will talk about all the different ways that we are to be peacemakers. But at the end, as I get towards the end of this beatitude, we're going to talk about one specific area that Jesus, I believe, really has in mind but you can also apply it in a general sense to other areas for example do we live in an age of turmoil are there not uh, just uh, uh, mass killings you guys see any of that on the news lately? are there wars going on? are there riots going on? are there protests going on? Is there uh, ethnic and religious and political intimidation that's going on within our country, within the borders of our country, around the world? You see, brethren, you could see by just watching the news why God says, "Blessed are the peacemakers." Thus, you shall be called sons of God. It's also important to realize that we're, there's nothing new about the things that we're doing, right? What did Solomon say? There's nothing. There's nothing new under the sun. Do you think we're the first generation of people that's dealing with all of this nonsense that we see throughout the world? We, we know that we're not because if you read history, you study history, you read your Bible, these are the same things that have been going on since the Garden of Eden. Since they were booted out of the garden because uh, because of sin, we live in a fallen world. Guess what? There's been religious and ethnic and political intimidation. There's been racism and hatred. There's been all various forms of idolatry and immorality and, well, any other sin that you want to mention. And so I just want us to first and foremost realize that in every generation... Blessed is the individual who desires to become a peacemaker, for they shall be called sons of God. Brethren, we simply hear about these things on a regular basis because most of us have this little thing called technology, cable uh, television. And even if you don't have cable television, most people can get the local stations. And maybe you don't even have a TV, but maybe you have a smartphone, and there's news apps on that. What's the point? We live in a 24-hour news cycle. I remember when I was growing up, and it's not like I was even, I'm not even that old, I'm only 48. And I almost said 47, but I turned 48 a couple weeks ago, so I gotta get it right. But 48, I'm not even that old, right? But I remember when the internet came out, the year 1994, you know why I remember that? It's the year I graduated high school. My kids were saying, man, you didn't have Google and all these things that you could. No, we went to the library to study things. We had to go do some research. But the point is what? It took a while for you to receive information. Things that were happening on the other side of the world, it took a minute for you to receive that information. And then if you go much even before my generation to the previous generations, you may have not heard about it for months, if not years, if something major was going on, right? And so what's the point? We live in a 24-hour news cycle. And so everybody just thinks that, well, this is just the way it is. And so you can see then why God would say, bless are the peacemakers. Because it seems like there's uh, just uh, turmoil no matter where you turn. And so brothers and sisters, if if they had a 24-hour news cycle, if they had a 24-hour news cycle in the first century A.D. during the Roman Empire... What do you think their new cycle would look like? How much different do you think their new cycle would be than ours? It wouldn't be much different. Because you know why? Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. New under the sun. We're not committing really any more new, we're not really committing new sins. right? We're committing the same sins that mankind has committed since the beginning of time, since the beginning of the world. And so, brethren, we look at all of this information. We just happen to know about things quickly because of a 24 hour news cycle. But if they had that back in the first century, if they had that back in the second century or the third century, guess what, brethren? The crimes and the problems that we experience today are the same crimes and problems that you would have heard about. Back then, with just a little bit probably different twist. Because cultures are a little bit different. But the citizens, brethren, who are to make up the kingdom of God, God is telling us here in the Beatitudes that the the citizens that make up the kingdom of God are to be characterized by certain attributes, by certain traits. And in this particular trait, we're to be characterized by peace. And we're to be characterized by love. I want you to consider some passages this morning and what the scriptures have to say in regards to peace, because the peacemakers are those who will be called sons of God. In Romans chapter twelve and verse eighteen, look on the screen behind me. It says, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God." Blessed are the peacemakers, for oh, I must have hit—I hit the right. Uh, if possible. So far, I told you I was tired. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now, I like this one in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 because notice what it says. If it depends on you, when, when doesn't it depend on you? How many, how many people does it take to quarrel? Like minimum, right? I mean, I know there's some kind of strange people that like to argue with themselves, but I mean, (laughs) generally speaking, right? How many people does it take, minimally, to quarrel? Two Two people, right? And so you could choose to fight, you could choose to argue, or you could choose to de escalate. Amen? Right? So, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And so it does depend on you. You could choose to de-escalate, or you could choose to say, "I want to be right, and I've, I, I'm just going to fight this one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. This is the hill that I'm going to die on." You get to choose. You see, brethren. If you look at another passage of scripture on the screen behind me, it's Romans chapter 14 and verse 9. And in Romans chapter 14 and verse 9, it says, "Pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another." So I want us to consider in this passage, we know it talks about peace, but it says pursue the things that make for peace and the building up of one another. So what are ways that we could build one another up? You know, consider the other person. When when we're thinking about being peacemakers, when we're thinking about whether or not we're going to de-escalate or just jump into the argument and jump into the fight, we have to understand that everybody is, is dealing with different things in life, are they not? I mean, consider the person. Consider the situation that they may be in. Consider what they're going through. I mean, how often do we stop to consider what another individual may be going through, or do, before we just decide to just jump right into the fight? I, I would venture to say, probably that's not something we often consider. But in Hebrews chapter ten and verse twenty-four, it tells us that we are to. Uh, I can't even think of it right now. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. It's not on the screen behind me. But if you look in Hebrews chapter 10 and you get to verse 24, I want you to see what this says here. Because it tells us there in that passage in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. And let us consider one another. Let us consider one another in, in order to stir up love and good works. It says that we are to consider one another. To love and good works, to stir up love and good works. And so the first way that we could build up another individual is to consider the other person. Consider the situation they find themselves in. Consider what it is that they're dealing with. The second aspect of this thing uh, that we call building up one another is how often do we use scripture? Use scripture to show others, to remind others about the love of God. To remind them about the grace of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God. To remind them about the hope that lies in God. You see, brethren, that's where our hopes come from. And if if our hopes come from God, then we need to make sure that we're reminding those who may be struggling in in various aspects of their life about what God uh, uh, is doing for us and what he can do for us. The third thing that we need to consider as we're looking to build others up, as we're trying to be peacemakers, is simply build up others through affection. Build up others through affection and acts of service. Look over to Romans chapter 10. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 10 for a second. These are something, I, things I added later, so I don't even have the on the screen behind me. But when you get to Romans chapter uh, 12, I want you to see in verse 10 for a second. Romans uh, 12 and verse 10. As you look at Romans 12, notice what the scriptures say in verse 10. Be, kind, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. So you think about Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. And I just said that we need to show affection towards one another. And we need to have acts of service towards one another. And then it makes me think of uh, Galatians. Because in Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 13, I notice that the scriptures tell me there. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only don't use liberty as an opportunity for selfishness. But through love, serve one another. So you see, brethren, we need to show love and affection to our brethren. We learn about that in Romans 12 and 10. We need to make sure that we have acts of service that we're doing towards one another, that we're looking to build up one another, and thus we can be called peacemakers, thus being called the sons of God. And lastly, one of the things that we do to build each other up is to pray for one another. Is prayer not powerful? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 10, for those who like to take notes, you can look at that passage of Scripture later. And so, remember, Jesus told us. He said, listen, if you wish to be children of mine, you wish to be followers of mine, you've got to flee youthful lust, right? We see that uh, Timothy's talking to the Apostle Paul. He tells him to flee through uh, his youthful lust. Pursue righteousness. Do what? Pursue righteousness and faith. Uh, Love and peace with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Brethren, I love this passage of scripture because to pursue is synonymous with chase, right? So there should be like a little bit of a sense of urgency here, right? A sense of urgency. Pursue after righteousness, chase after righteousness, pursue love. With those you come in contact with. And it's, it's that agape type of love. That type of love that we speak of. And it will result in peace. Peace in your heart as well as peace in your relationships. But brethren, it'll resolve, it will result in peace of many of your relationships. It's not going to result in peace in all of your relationships. And you're going to understand what I mean by that as we get to the next beatitude. And so, brethren, another passage of Scripture is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. In that passage, as we look at peace, as we continue to look at this and these passages that deal with peace. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Brethren, this is so very crucial that we understand this because it's also important to realize that there's no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And that we need to pursue peace, we need to pursue, pursue sanctification, without which none of us will see the Lord. So you see, brothers and sisters, peace among the nations begins first and foremost with peace within the individual. You can't help bring peace to a nation if you, unless you have a heart that uh, strives and pursues peace. That chases after peace. And to do all things that are going to to lead towards uh, more harmonious, peaceful relationships. Remember, peace comes in uh, peace comes when we replace greed, we replace distrust, lies, and jealousy and hatred. When you replace those things, right? Galatians chapter five, more of the more of the works of the flesh with what love and mercy, forgiveness and prayer and brotherly kindness. When you start to replace. Uh, fleshly things, with spiritual things, you'll start to see how peace starts to fill your hearts. And you'll start to remember the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Brother, never forget that it's not the absence of war that makes peace, but it's the presence of God in the world and it's the presence of God in our lives that makes peace. And so, brothers and sisters, Those living under the reign of God, those living under his rule of law, must actively pursue what? Righteousness. In a world that's shattered by hostility, you guys remember, uh, John and and I, uh, a couple Wednesdays ago, we were talking about right after these Beatitudes, it says you are to be the salt of the earth. You're to be the light that shines, right? For what purpose? In order to bring glory and honor to God. And so brethren, if you wish to be a follower of Christ, we need to make sure that we're transforming and renewing our minds and allowing those, that transformation to show outwardly. The New Testament, does it not uh, place a premium on restoring relationships? Think about that. Does the New Testament place a premium on restoring relationships? There is one last area before we get to the next beatitude that is absolutely crucial to be a peacemaker. A Christian must reconcile others to God. Anybody here remember the Great Commission? What was the Great Commission? Lewis, what's the Great Commission? Yeah, go out into the world. Make disciples. Remember that making disciples part? Right? You go out into the world, you make disciples, you teach them to obey all that Christ has uh, commanded you, and you start to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus talks about peacemakers will be those who are called sons of God, I firmly believe that, sure, we could, we could help uh, bring peace, and we could help uh, mediate arguments and problems in this life, but I really believe that Jesus had at the heart of his uh, teachings... That the ultimate peacemaker is one who reconciles man unto God. And so brethren, what has God given us to do? What is the main uh, purpose that we have as, as, as followers of Christ? To go and make disciples. Why? Because we're helping them to reconcile to God. So they can come out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And proclaim the excellencies as we proclaim the excellencies of almighty God. And so, brethren, now we're going to see how as we do that, as we begin to be peacemakers who go out and who are trying to make disciples, I need you to understand that not everybody's going to be welcoming. Not everybody's going to want to know your Jesus. Not everybody's going to want to hear what you have to say or appreciate what Jesus has to say. And that brings us into the next one. And that's Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see brethren. Jesus put these in a logical order. In an order that must take place. Because he understood that be a peacemaker. That if, when you're a peacemaker. And you're trying to solve disputes. Sometimes you can get caught up in that dispute. And you could end up being persecuted. And Jesus is telling us this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. Brethren, one of the characteristics of the citizens of a kingdom of God is that one must be ready and willing to suffer persecution if need be. This uh, follows closely the attribute of the peacemaker. Because, brethren, in order to maintain peace, many times one has to suffer persecution. And persecution really comes in in various forms and various manners, does it not? I mean, the work of the peacemaker is not light. It's not easy. Right? It's definitely not peaceful because you're trying to be the mediator to to bring about the end of some form of dispute and not everybody's going to appreciate your willingness to help. Not everybody's going to appreciate your advice or the truth that you speak to them through Christ Jesus. And so brethren, it often entails the persecution of the world, but it also it also entails persecution by those who kids who call themselves and claim to be reconciled unto God, but they have a different version of truth. So persecution isn't necessarily even just by worldly people. Some persecution comes by those who actually claim to be followers of Christ. And so as we consider This idea of peacemakers and how it bleeds over into persecution. Brethren, we need to understand that Jesus pronounced a blessing upon those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. But remember, Jesus doesn't say, blessed are you when you are persecuted because, well, of some of your opinions. He doesn't say, blessed are you when you're persecuted because of the bad choices that you've made in your life. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And we also must understand, brethren, that Jesus, when he was at this point, Sermon on the mount, they estimate it's probably the beginning of his second year uh, and of his ministry, and Jesus was already being hated. They despised him, the men who considered themselves to be religious. You know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the priests, Men who were supposed to be God's holy people, they were looking for ways to destroy Jesus. They were looking for ways to remove him from this earth. And so brothers brothers and sisters, we must also understand that persecution is going to come our way. And it's going to come in various forms. What kind of forms can it come in? Well, maybe persecution looks like having your property confiscated. You, you know that that happens around the world, right? That, that those who claim and those who follow Christ are, are, are in danger of imprisonment. They're in danger of their families being separated or torn apart. They're in danger of having their earthly possessions taken from them. Uh, well, maybe it's not even that though, but maybe it's that somebody starts to misrepresent you. Maybe it's somebody starts to slander your good character. Maybe it's somebody who willfully starts to challenge uh, your, your seemingly good motives. uh, And and to try to make you look uh, as if you're in a negative light. Maybe it's actually death. Maybe it's floggings. You see, because all of these things that I just mentioned still happen today. At various places around the world. And so brothers and sisters, you think about this here this morning. This plainly signifies that the kingdom, the church, must encounter opposition. So we must be prepared for said opposition. You see, brethren, righteousness has its antagonist in unrighteousness. The opposition between good, there's opposition between good and evil. There's opposition between truth and error. There's opposition between right and wrong. There's opposition between Christ and Satan. And evil forces are at war with the forces of righteousness. Amen? Isn't that what the scriptures teach? Notice what Jesus Says through the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit to young Timothy, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Right? And I wonder if we forget about this sometimes. Because we live in the United States of America. And let's just be honest, we really don't suffer persecution. We do, but it's in various forms, right? It's, it's, it's usually on the lesser, uh, I guess, end of the scale when it comes to the persecutions. It may be uh, spoken negatively about. It may be uh, that maybe you lose some friends or maybe even some family members because of your affiliation with Christ and because of your love for Christ. But typically, if you go outside of America, now all of a sudden you can hear the stories. You can hear the atrocities that are taking place all around the world. Where people are still flogged in the the world today, 2,000 years later, people are still being flogged for what? For their uh, undying loyalty to Christ. People are still being imprisoned because of their loyalty to Christ. People are still being killed for their loyalty to Christ. People's families are still being torn apart and being imprisoned and being slandered because of their affinity with Christ. You see, brother, these things are still happening. And we need to make sure that we're prepared and that we're ready. Because those who suffer persecution and endure the promise that Jesus, or endure the persecution, Jesus pronounces a promise of blessings upon them. The blessing of heaven. Persecution for righteousness drives the persecutor what? Closer to God. To have a deeper uh, relationship with God. So, brethren, as I close this down, Jesus, he wraps up the Beatitudes with this statement Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven will be great. And that's, I think, in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven will be great. But in order to rejoice, you have to be prepared. Because so many people who are not prepared suffer persecution, end up falling away from God. Why? Because they were not prepared for what was to come. The reason why Jesus spoke these things is because he wanted his disciples, his followers, to know what to expect. He says, I'm leaving. I'm going back to the Father. And you should hope that I go back to the Father. Because if I go back to the Father, I'll send the Holy Spirit, the helper. And he's going to do what? Remind you of all I ever said and all I ever did. And then you're going to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, as we learned about in First chapter, Acts Chapter 1, and verse 8. And then after we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to go out into the world. And we're going to begin to speak. To the kings and speak to uh, all those, uh, the the governors and those who are in charge and people in high positions. But we don't have to worry about the words that we're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give us what we need to say in the moment we need to say it. And you can see how God through the Holy Spirit, uh, through Christ was doing what? He was guiding the first century saints. But he was preparing them. But along the way, he gave them prophecies. Because he wanted them to know that when these things happened, they could remember that Jesus said, this is what you can expect. This morning in Bible class, we were looking at Daniel chapter 8. And in Daniel chapter eight, uh, the question was asked, why do you think that uh, God allowed these things to happen? Well, God, he allowed these things to happen because he wanted them to remember that 400 years earlier, he prophesied that these things were going to happen. And so you see brothers and sisters, God, he's letting us know what to expect so we could remain faithful and true. We could endure the persecution and we could also remain faithful because it's faithful are unto them who remain faithful, and to the end they shall receive the crown of life. I think it's Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. And so brethren, as I shut this down, remember, this is Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. Jesus gives us a model here. He gives us a model. And in this model that Jesus gives us, brethren... Uh, He he tells us about in the first four Beatitudes about the inner changes that have to take place. And those inner changes take place in the heart, which means the mind. And as we transform, as we renew the mind, we'll transform our lives. And that way we'll be able to deal with all of the outward problems that we're going to have to deal with. We're going to be able to deal better with the various relationships that we're going to have to try to deal with as we proclaim the word of God to those in the world. And brethren, if we're willing to do those things, Then Jesus, all along the way, from the first beatitude to the eighth beatitude, he pronounces blessings upon his people. So you see, brothers and sisters, you have to ask yourself if you're going to receive that blessing. Are you, have you, or are you in the midst of renewing your mind? So that way you could actually put on the full armor of God. You guys know what the armor of God is, right? I mean, our children can tell you what the armor of God is. But do you really know that every aspect of the armor is talking about the word of God? And so we need to have the armor of God, the word of God, that's in our minds and in our hearts, that we use to defeat the attacks of the evil one? Because the devil, the Satan, he has to flee from us. And so he cannot uh, uh, attack us. He cannot attack us in such a way as to overcome us if we have the armor, the full armor of God on. And that's basically the renewing of our mind in order to deal with the outward pressures of life. But deal so in a way that you're the salt of the earth. Deal so in a way that you're the light, the uh, the light that's going to shine brightly and bring light to all who are in the room as you show the love of Christ to the world, brethren. If you're here today and you're not a child of God. But you want to be like Eddie. And you want to be like the rest of us who have put on Christ. You can do that today. There's nothing holding you back. If you have not been baptized for the remission of your sins, then you're still in your sins. And if you haven't been baptized, you haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That seals you for the day of redemption that we learn about in Ephesians. And if you haven't been baptized, you haven't been added to the church. I don't care if you attend services for the next hundred years. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And it begins with a, a, public, um, a public announcement that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and it culminates in the waters of baptism. Come forward as Patrick sings the Song of Invitation.